from a, a a different place almost to like come up with you know new topics new intriguing talking points and things of that matter to keep people pulled in and you know so that they keep on gravitating to the podcast i mean i mean it's interesting enough to have somebody like you on the podcast and you know this is the second time you have been on the podcast now so that you know obviously keeps it super cool and entertaining but you know, like as far as, uh, you know, the different topics and talking points, like you almost kind of want to like figure out like, OK, do I want to go political? Do I want to go entertainment, talk, gossip, whatever the case may be? Like, what are people really even into these days? What are you into these days, Peach? Peaches? Oh, God. What am I into these days? I mean, I feel like honestly, all I am doing is working because if I'm not at home talking to people or filming or editing then I'm at my other job where I am where I work like 40 hours a week so sometimes like a bit overwhelming but you know it is what it is um as far as people these days I, I feel like it gets harder and harder to please a wider audience you know what I mean I do know what you mean. It it can get harder, but then I feel like we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we really care about? Do we care about pleasing everybody else or do we care about pleasing ourselves? That's definitely fair. It's definitely fair. Um, I feel like that is like a core thing to establish before going into like media in general because if it wasn't for the fact that I genuinely enjoy doing this in my pastime then I think quite a few of like the dms and the comments that I get as like my account grows and I reach a wider audience would probably get to me way more than I allow it to yeah I hear you on that how serious do you take mental health um, considering that's the field I work in, 110%. Yeah, I feel you. Do you do anything exercise-wise or mental exercise, you know, for that matter, to, like, kind of, like, keep you sane? Um, I mean, my work, thankfully, is very, very backed up with, like, resources. So I have quite a few, many, like, sick days that I'm able to take throughout the year. Not only that, but my boss is really understanding of, like, just taking a mental health day if need be. Yeah. Um, but as far as, like, actively working towards keeping myself not drained by everything that I do, um, I usually journal or I make sure that when I come home from work, I have, like, at least a solid hour to myself where I'm not doing anything because it like easily overwhelms me to go from like essentially one job to another because even though I am talking to like just people, you know what I mean? And still like there is that type of like standard to hold up when having those type of conversations. So it's like, it, it can get draining after a while. I hear you. You know, that feeling that you get 
or once guy, I don't know if you still get it, but when you're looking at your phone and you catch yourself smiling as you type to people, you know that feeling? Yeah. I do. Do you get do you get that when you talk to clients or customers or whatever uh, you call them? When I usually call them clients, um, unless they're like long term returning, then I just call them like a regular. But um I find that most happens either when people are just like going out of their way to like congratulate me on like how I'm doing or checking in on how I'm doing because sometimes I'll just post like, hey, haven't been um, very active recently, just like haven't been feeling the greatest. And like some people go out of their way to be like, hey, how are you doing? Like if you need somebody to talk to you, like I'm here, which I always love to see or like when I'm getting feedback from like content or custom or something like it always it always is like a little thing that makes me good. Yeah, I hear you on that. I think a a change from the last time that you've been on the podcast, which, by the way, I had a great time on the last podcast. So thank you for coming on the first time. And now we got you for the second time. So that's super cool. But I think something changed since then. And I believe that something being you hopped on OF now, right? I did. And that had a lot to do with the fact that just working through a platform that doesn't necessarily support what we do being completely not a secure way of keeping that platform. Um, it just kind of motivated me to start the page, but the unfortunate thing is that it is built for Americans. So like their banking setup is completely custom to the way American bank accounts are. And like, Mm -hmm have the same number system in Canada I can't claim anything that I'm making the same way somebody in America can who's comfortable with having it on their bank statements yeah that is a bit of a hurdle that I've been dealing with recently so it's on it's honestly getting like a little frustrating to the point where I'm considering whether or not it's worth it because I still enjoy what I do on Instagram, no matter what, and I'm an energy to do the customs and like make money that I can, but it's not like the ultimate reason why I'm doing it. I hear you. Would you ever consider moving to the States? No, I would not. (laughs) I have been to the States quite a few times and I'm just not accustomed to the way the cooking is over there. Um, I was actually recently in LA in the beginning of July. I was there for like eight days or something like that. And I found it so hard to find a good place to eat or like find something that was good other than like at home, obviously, because I can mimic all of that with the same ingredients. It's just like anywhere you eat out just is so bland. I don't know. You, I don't know. You must have went to the wrong places because there's some good foodie spots in LA. I, I went to like the, like the signature American, like fast food places that you see on TikTok that people are always talking about. Wasn't great. I like some, the only place that was actually really, really, really good that I went to multiple times um, was like a pasta place that was like a walking distance away. It was so good. But everything else, like I went to even a mom and pop like shop 
like diner whatever where like all the reviews were like this is soul food it's the best place ever yada 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 Mm -hmm. i got like chicken strips and fries and the fries were really good but the chicken strips were breaded and tasted exactly like fish i don't know it was just they probably used the same fryer that they use for fish exactly and i was just like i don't know it just wasn't wasn't the greatest place for food I feel like you probably just went to the wrong places. I think that if I was somebody's food tour guide, I think that I could like change their mind. If if they had an experience like you, I think I could change their mind. But then again, everybody's palate is different. And I kind of actually understand now that I think about it, because when I go to Mexico, their food tastes way different than food out here. And it's because they cook in different methods and they have less restrictions on what they can use to cook with at restaurants and what have you. So that could potentially be it right there as well. And not to mention, I believe the meat in the, you know, everything that is used here, the the cattle in America, in the U S rather not America, but in the U S the meat, you know, is probably a little more tainted than other countries as well, which is, you know, terrible. But I mean, we all know that they put stuff in the food and, you know, try to, for whatever reason, like who knows what the reason may be, but back to your food experience in LA and you telling me that you went to different, uh, you know, known fast food chains and what have you tell, tell me you went to in and out. Did you go to in and out? I did. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. I don't know. I like, <laughs> When I go to fast food places here in Canada, like my go-to either like main or side course is like poutine and yeah. it, it doesn't exist in the States. Mm. So it's just like, I don't know. It, the lack of it just doesn't make the meal. Wait, what is, what is poutine? I don't even know what poutine is. Um, so it's fries with cheese curds and gravy. Oh, okay. Actually, I have had that. That's like a French thing, isn't it? Yeah, it like originated in like um Quebec, but I've been to Quebec to Quebec and their poutine. I went to like four different poutineries and they suck because like original poutine isn't fries because fries are like European essentially. Mm-hmm. Canadian authentic poutine is like chunks of potato, which mm-hmm. is it's not good <laughs> at all. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I had poutine one time at a burger restaurant here in Vegas. And, you know, they were a burger restaurant that tried to, like, em- emulate, like, different countries, different styles of, you know, fries or, or burgers or what have you. And I remember seeing poutine on the menu. And, and in fact, I want to say that we got it because it was one of those situations where me and mama goods we were we were sitting there and, and we can't get the same thing we're like you get that you get that i'll get this and we'll just kind of try it all together you know what i mean mm-hmm. and yeah so that was our experience with with poutine and I, can't, I just can't remember what it what it tasted like but you know those are those different cultural differences right there that interest me because canada being so close to the us yet being so different and then same with the us to mexico and you know, both of those places being so different. I don't know. It, it's interesting. But like hearing you say that you would never come to the U.S. for food, that's like, that's that's wild to me 
but it also makes sense in the same breath because I mean, shit, like you come out here and you're just like, this ain't what I thought it would be. All this hype and all this hype for what? Yeah, I think the place with the best food in the States that I've been to, I would have to say would be Vegas. Honestly, um, um, there wasn't anything that I didn't like when I was out there that I mm-hmm. remember. But um, at the same time, like, we stayed in the Flamingo when I was there, and they had, like, a pizzeria downstairs um, near the lobby um, when I was there. Their pizzas were so big. Like, one was, like, the size of my head. And I kid you not, that was my breakfast for, like, three out of the seven days we were there. Oh, my goodness. Pizza for breakfast. Wow. Wow. I, I believe I know which one you're talking about. I just can't think of the name. I want to say it's called Pop Up Pizza, but it may not be. Yeah, okay. yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> that was it was so long ago. Yeah, pizza is the size of your head. That sounds very American, right there. That that might be one of the most United States things of all time. As a matter of fact, like large size pizzas. I haven't had pizza in so long. I've been trying to focus on like health and wellness and fitness and you know trying to trying to get in shape and like you saying pizza and us talking about all this food is like just driving me wild (laughs) oh i know i like kind of woke up a little bit late today and just had time to like get ready so i'm like hungry so so you're a breakfast person um aside from pizza like what's your ideal breakfast it's funny you say that because I'm actually not a breakfast person and that's why I was eating the every day for breakfast because my mom would like to wake up in the morning early and use our like complimentary like like I don't know our vouchers or whatever for breakfast mm-hmm. just mine as well because I wouldn't wake up early enough to eat so I just grab the pizza and head out but my ideal breakfast is probably um i just have to say like a hash browns bacon and toast like i'm not a big like pancake or waffle person they're just like too sweet and like way too much for me right in the morning which is ironic considering the pizza but i was also 16 <laughs> oh wow so you were 16 in vegas there's like nothing to do for a young person in vegas my mom was sober and never had any intention in gambling so we had all the same interests while we were in vegas so there was there was literally so much to do that by the time we got back, I was like sore for two days. What? There, like, we went to Cirque du Soleil. We went to okay. like this concert where we saw, I think it was like four or five different um, impression artists. It was um, like live singing. It was like uh, Michael Jackson, Adele, Prince, right after he died. So, like, that was wild to see at the time. Um, who else i can't even completely remember but yeah then there was the roller coaster that's around some of the hotels there's the hotels themselves we walked up and down the strip like we didn't rent a car but we saw the whole strip and the strip is long it's like like if you were to go from the beginning of the strip which is basically the mandalay to the stratosphere which is you know the big space needle looking hotel casino that's like that's like four and a half miles right there. What I remember what we did was we 
divided it into four days because there's obviously so much to do on like yeah. trip. And what we did was go down the strip right one day from our hotel, go down the strip left one day from our hotel, and mm. then cross the street and then right and then left again. So we it was that was already half of our trip when we had like other things planned within it. Yeah, no, that sounds fun. And Cirque du Soleil is always really nice to go see because those people are like extremely acrobatic and they do things that are just like, man, like I would 100% break my neck if I tried that. The one that we saw was honestly so mind blowing because the stage at one point lifted and turned into a wall that they were climbing and it was trampoline underneath. But nobody knew there was a trampoline, so they got to, like, the top of the wall and then just, like, let go and fell. And then they started doing, like, air acrobatics, and it was it was mind-blowing. Yeah, I want to say you might have watched Ka at it, the MGM. It was Ka, and I have some songs from their playlist still in my playlist to this day. Yeah, no, that one is really good, and that's one of my favorites as well. I haven't seen all of them, but... From the ones that I've seen, that one is up there. That one and the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil they have over at um, Mandalay. That one, mind-blowing. In fact, I actually cried during that performance, and I never cry. Like, you can ask anybody that knows me personally, like, in movies and all that, like, I'm not a crier. In fact, I make fun of people who cry during movies. Like, I'm like, oh, look at you. Are you crying? Oh, my gosh. And um, during that performance, though, like, I was like, I'm crying. What the hell? You know? <laughs> they do some pretty crazy things, especially with, like, all the lights and, like, the music. Like, it's it's an intense performance to watch, that's for sure. Is Paradise Peach, Peach Paradise, a crier during movies? No, I made it up one night, super stoned in my room, probably at three in the morning. So, so no, you're not a crier. Um, it depends on it depends on the movie. Honestly, it it really does. If it's, I, I don't really watch like rom coms or like anything like that. But if I do happen to get myself sucked into them, like. It's all, it's honestly the worst because I only ever get stuck watching them when I'm at work because I work with um, like 15 and like 14 year olds. Mm. So it's in front of my youth that I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. It's okay. I'm not crying. And I just like leave the room. Yeah. Well, that, that leads me to an uh, interesting question, actually. What do you? What is your take on men crying? Do you think men should be able to cry? Yeah. Do you think that sometimes uh, people think that uh, men not being able to cry, do you, do you think that can possibly be the reason why a lot of guys end up depressed? <laughs> it's... If I'm going to be completely honest and not to get too political here, please, please. It's only men that repress that onto other men because it's going to be very few women who are going to honestly sit there and tell you, like, no, it's super weird or makes me uncomfortable when men cry because 
there's no difference between men and women expressing emotion and usually like social speaking it's only men who are going like you said you're the type of person to make fun of somebody who cries during movies mm. so it's it's only men who make other men feel like that and then they go well men can't feel their emotions and we feel like we can't display them and it's like okay but who's making you feel like that mm. usually other men because who do you feel most vulnerable with usually your partner and i'm speaking mm of straight men which i am not so that just goes to say but it's obviously from an observation standpoint but yeah yeah no that's that's actually really interesting for you to say as a matter of fact like that hold on i'm choking on something hold on one second <clears throat> oh my goodness i was just drinking my uh my shake with some oatmeal in it and a piece of oatmeal just got like stuck in my throat <laughs> Bad idea to drink that during the podcast. Um, but anyways, that's interesting that you actually put it like that. And you know, I could tell that you're somebody who does a lot of a lot of thinking. You seem like a like a, a real thinker, and you put a lot of thought into most things. I am like unmedicated ADHD, so my brain like two moments of silence for me is like two hundred different thoughts. So. <laughs> Not only that, but growing up, I was always very naturally um, interested in like law and politics and all of that. So I, at a very young age, started to develop like my moral and political views and trying to do my best to be as educated about our government as possible because I already knew from a very young age just by being on Facebook, which was a American created um network that a lot of the media that I was going to be exposed to um, involuntarily is going to be American and that is exactly how it is for a lot of people even in Canada we primarily see what's going on in the states we a lot of us don't know what's going on in our own city unless we go out of our way to seek it yeah no that's interesting from what I understand Canadian people have recently been subject to only being able to deal with Canadian brands as well. Like, so if you're an influencer in Canada, you can only deal with Canadian brands. Have you heard anything about that? Um, I haven't just because that side of the marketing, like media doesn't really interest me too much just because I all feel like it's so, it's so fake and money chasing anyways that like who really cares? There's very few creators and like celebrities that are out there that are the face of something that they've actually grown up using care about is ethical is like resourced properly like the only person who i can think of off the top of my head who has gone out of their way and like gotten famous within the past decade to be the face of something that they have used for years or are known for is like emma chamberlain because She's like the face of Levi right now. She has her own coffee brand. Like Levi's has been something that she's been known to thrift for in her YouTube videos for years now. And like coffee is something she's drinking in all of her TikToks, all of her blogs. Like it's just with her. She's photographed with it out in public. Like it, it makes sense. But there's other people who are out there being like the face of like the dumbest things that like you're not seeing that out in public and thinking of that one celebrity and going, oh, I'm going to buy this because they have right. it. Like, <laughs> you did this because you needed the brand deal and you needed the money. Right, right. 
which which I'm also not exactly you know mad about you know people do what they got to do to make their money and whatnot um you know so you actually you you brought something to mind in talking about the what was her name again Chamberlain yeah Emma Chamberlain and the the whole brand deal with Levi and you said that she does some thrifting on her channel would you are you somebody who is down to do some thrifting like would you pick would you rather pick a name brand item or are you humble enough to go thrifting and getting something from the thrift store? I would say my wardrobe is about a 50 50 between like thrifty thrifted, like slash hand-me-downs and like expensive or newly bought things or like fast fashion or something like that. Just Mm -hmm. when I'm looking for something that I like it's a staple fashion item that I'm going to probably use for decades that I could style different ways or hide in an outfit or something. Like I'm probably going to go thrift for it because staple items are usually what get recycled anyways. Um, but if I'm looking to like actually make a certain outfit or like I have a certain idea in my head, sometimes I'll go and look for it online because shopping is a way that I treat myself because Mm. as I've gotten older, I like to spend money less as I have more financial literacy. So it's the way that I splurge on myself, I guess I could say. Yeah. I I feel you on that. I feel you on that. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Ooh, (laughs) thing I've ever spent money on. Um, funny enough, my brain said uh, a partner, an ex boyfriend. (laughs) 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 Um, but I think the dumbest thing I ever spent money on. Oh, it probably isn't a big amount of money, to be honest, because I can't really think of anything off the top of my head because. All the things that could be considered like stupid are literally just like, like they're, they fill my walls. Like my room is completely decorated. So I would say that there isn't really much. Any of the fast, any money I've spent on Shein is probably the dumbest thing I've ever bought. On, on what? Um, Shein is like a fast fashion app that is like super, super cheap, but it's like the most unethical way you can resource anything because yes it's cheap but like the people making it is basically it's a sweatshop wow dang yeah that's crazy (laughs) so but like help me stitched into the tags of their clothes and stuff mm -hmm. yeah no i mean that you know as far as like price wise and everything goes you know if you can find like a, a cool online shop, I'm I'm totally down with that. Like I'm I'm still looking for one myself. I'm like, man, I could definitely go for like a like a nice looking brand that uh you know doesn't cost a lot. And I know they're out there. I just I haven't really like done too much digging around and you know, like your your Instagram or whatever social media you're on, you know how they kind of listen to you and they'll advertise to you. Yeah. Like I've ignore so many of those ads that they probably just don't advertise to me no more but after having this conversation right now like i'm pretty sure i'm probably gonna get a whole bunch of ads now yeah i don't it's it's difficult to find somewhere to like 
mostly get from in my personal experience just because the way culture is adapted to fast fashion so seamlessly honestly is borderline annoying because you could go into a store one week and they have like one collection out and then you go in like a month later because realistically who's buying clothes that soon unless you have a clothing addiction like me when I was 19 and like a month later everything's completely different and it's like the seasons haven't changed like everything different now I don't know it's just it's an it's overwhelming honestly because there's there's so many different types of style now that there isn't really a trending style it's what's trending is how original can you be off of what already exists right that's a good point to make how could you say that again because that was like a gem right there how original can you be off of what already exists dang that's a goal that's a that's a golden quote right there because that is so true. How original can you be with what already exists? And you're so right because there is no real trend right now. All there is is everything that exists already. And we have to kind of put together the outfits that we see are trending like in our own mind, like what we want other people to do. Well, I guess if you're like an original person anyways, that's kind of what you want to do to begin with. But that was that was a great way to put it right there. Like, damn. Like an ongoing trend that I've seen personally on my TikTok, the way that my media is portrayed to me is that people are reclaiming either embarrassing or cringy parts or like outdated parts of different eras and trying to bring it back and make it cool. And what is making that a trend is the confidence that the people are portraying in that 15 second video mind you like we don't know if these people are wearing it out if they actually look like that all the time if they're doing it for just the views because that's also a huge part of our our, our culture right now so it's like uh, like the emo look is super in right now whereas when that's what i actually looked like at the time of it being born i was heavily heavily bullied for it but it's cool to bring it in right now because everything and anything is trending. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting as can be. So that actually, that actually leads me to ask because every time I see your profile on my IG story and you know how, like you get like a few key people that always pop up on stories. And then there's some people you never see, even though they probably are posting stories. You're like always like on my top, screen like there's always a a peach paradise story somehow so that must mean must mean that you know something is matching up there but every time i see your story like just the icon of your your actual profile picture like i'll tell you what i think and what like crosses my mind i'm like that is a trendsetter right there and she's doing something that other people are too scared to do and she's setting you know, she's setting the bar, you know, with, with her profile picture alone, you know, with the, it's almost like you're doing like a kind of a self-worship type of picture where you got like your, your foot up or what have you. And I'm just like, man, that that's a trendsetter right there. You don't really care what other people think. And that's what trendsetters are at the end of the end of the day. You do what you're in, other people are basically scared to do. 
another thing that very seldom people have noticed, it's usually people who are like revisiting my page a couple of times, is another one of my favorite things to do um, when I get a comment that either digs at me enough or is just honestly stupid enough to like why spend the five seconds to type that out and leave it under somebody's picture is I'll just like pin it <laughs> to the top of my post and people yeah. why are you pinning hate on my put on your post and it's like because I know I'm going to get it and it's funny yeah like, why, why not or like just like some of the things that I'll say back to people they're like you do realize you have a platform right and it's like you do realize I am a person with emotions and I'm 21, so if you think that I'm going to act more maturely in this situation compared to this 35-year-old man who is commenting rude things on my photo, facts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's facts right there. No, you're nailing it. And at 21, like, I mean, well, first of all, everybody's allowed to make mistakes. And at 21, like, you know, you're going to do, you're going to try things. You're going to make mistakes. It, everything is trial and error. And you're really just trying to figure out your lane and who you want to be basically and it, i mean it seems like you're doing great though doing my best <laughs> you're like i'm doing my best to keep it together yeah literally yeah <laughs> well um how about we do our first foot marshal and then we'll dive back in What's up, everybody? So, Peach Paradise is back on the podcast. I hope that you're following her on IG and Twitter. If not, that is on the screen. It is P A R A D I S E underscore P E A C H 9 on IG. And then just flip it around for Twitter. It's P E A C H underscore P A R A D I S E 9 on Twitter both of those places there is a link where you can find whatever else you're looking for from peach paradise she's a super cool chick as you all could tell and i love having her on a podcast for the second time that is an honor www.daddygoods.com is now live i'm building that website so if you are a fan of the pop pod you should most definitely go and put your email on the subscribe list on there. All right. And um, all that good stuff. Smash the like button on YouTube. Subscribe. I love reminding you guys that you know that we began thousands of views on the videos, but like two, three hundred likes. Like, come on, man. We got to get those likes up to a thou wow. Let's go. You gotta you gotta remind the people sometimes like hey man this is an exchange like we gotta you know if you love and appreciate the content you gotta let us know very fair yeah i mean if if you were putting out content and you felt like nobody was leaving any feedback you'd probably be like well does anybody even like this right that's why every so often my captions on my instagram are kind of like prompts for you to comment because not only does it tell me how you feel about how I've been doing but you're interacting with my post which boosts my post alone so it's like a two-in-one kind of but yeah 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 for sure but I also get that 
people's like attention span is very, very low these days. And, you know, that includes me. Have you ever been on the phone and you're, let's say you're on the app, let's say you're on Instagram or whatever, and you're scrolling through and in, in, in your mind, you're like, oh, I need to go do something real quick on another app. And you close out of Instagram and then you think to yourself like, wait, what was I just about to do? Right. Very often I'll be at work and I'll be like, Hey, I need to go grab something downstairs. And because there's like people that'll be in the office, I'll unlock the door. I'll make eye contact with somebody. And then I'll be like, wait, why am I in here? And then I walk back upstairs and I'm like, oh, I need to go back down. Cause I remember what I needed. <laughs> exactly. But I think that, you know, it could be an attention span thing. I, I think that it might be, but then again, it could be, we all just have ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD. I really truly think that I do have undiagnosed ADHD for real because I have anxiety attacks like all the time. The average human attention span is 15 seconds, which is why TikTok initially made videos 15 seconds because you stay engaged the whole time and you stay on the app way longer. Um, But then people were demanding longer videos because we were still in the podcast vlogging culture. Um, But I definitely think that it has a lot to do with overstimulation in general because everybody is so overworked and we've been programmed to believe that being overworked is something to be proud of and an accomplishment when in reality... It's not because I know people who are close to my age where when I say I work an 80 hour contract job, they're like, oh, you're working 80 hours a week. I'm like, no, that's biweekly. And they're like, oh, what are you doing with all your other free time? And if they don't know I'm doing this and I don't share it with them, then obviously I'm like, why are you so proud of being so overworked? Like just automatically, like why don't you have free time? Why are you not proud that you're able to sustain with having lots of free time? You know what I mean? Totally. What would it mean to you if in a world with so much variety, if somebody were to want to spend all of their attention on you and show you all the love? No. Are you going to say no? <laughs> like, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I have an interest. Be normal. I don't know. Like, I, I don't do, I don't do um, texting sessions very often. I don't do like the whole, like, like the, the foot slave thing. Like I can't do it. I don't want to sit there and read those comments, compliments. I don't want to have to, like, I, there are very seldom people who have like found me early on that I've actually been able to form a connection with because I had the time because there was like 300 followers that I had that I've been able to be like, yeah, I'll do a texting session because we actually talk about other things other than them just sitting there like geeking over me, which like the first two messages I'm like, oh, thanks. And then after that, I'm just like, oh, thanks. And then I, like super comfortable because it's like what else is going through your brain right now like i know you have two rep like two brain cells left but rub them together a little harder (laughs) i don't know i love that i love that no that that's so real no that that's very greatly put 
honestly, right there, because it is true. It's like, no, man, like I want you to have other things that you're interested in and and do. Maybe I worded the question wrong. I think like, I think probably what I meant more with that question was not exactly like somebody who just wanted to focus like on you all day long, but I, I was thinking more probably like in the terms of instead of people like having such a short span, att- attention span, you know, like let's say, you know, they were really interested in you. Let's say you were the only chick on the internet that like they really cared to see, you know what I'm saying? Like versus everybody else that they can choose from, but you know, it was only you they're interested in type of thing. Like, would you prefer people to not only be interested in just you um, for that, for that matter? I think it's healthy to recognize that you have multiple interests, 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 and are able to either indulge in them or just be able to recognize them all in itself because I myself already have a very biased opinion on this because I do not find myself to be a very monogamous person as is. Mm. Only genuinely have an interest on one person and want to see one person like doesn't make sense to my brain. That's interesting right there. What what was the longest relationship you've ever had? Three years. That's a long time. Uh, yeah. Uh, all of my relationships have been over a year and a half out of the three that I've had. And they were all monogamous. But that being said, they've all taught me that I don't think I enjoy monogamy just because I think it puts a lot of strain on both partners and like, if I experienced that in my adolescence, because like, again, I was so young, I can only imagine how much strain I would feel in my adulthood. But with that being said, I've also never had a fully polyamorous relationship or open relationship. So to speak on behalf of it, like I know what I'm, I know how I feel about it, like also isn't, you know what I mean? But I think it would work better for the way that my brain works. (laughs) Do you think that you can handle a significant other being into other women as well? 100%. Yeah, that's a, that's a very mature thing to say and to be 21 and to be down with something like that. I mean, that's, that's next level right there. But I, I feel like that's where the world is kind of headed anyways. You know, I, I think monogamy is, probably one of the most unnatural things to begin with anyways. And I'm somebody who is monogamous, you know, I'm in a eight year marriage right now and, you know, we love it. We do fine. I don't have any desire to be with other women and, you know, she doesn't have any desire to be with other men, but I'm pretty sure that we're open enough to where if we did have those desires, we'd probably be able to tell each other. I don't think there would have to be any cheating or anything like that. But even to be at a level like that, I don't think that everybody can get to that the communication level that that, you know, myself and my wife are on. And for you to be 21 and feeling like that you can have that conversation with somebody that that you love or that you're in a relationship with, like that's for real next level. I, I think that to be 21 and have that mindset, you're probably going to have a lot more happiness in your life, less toxicity. Well, it's funny, actually, to circle back on the question of you asking me uh, how I feel if, like, I was somebody's only interest. 
Um, so in my past relationship, it actually got to the point where I was just noticing that I was noticing people way more than I usually was in the beginning of our relationship. And I thought that I should make that known to my partner. And when I started to really like assess it and where these like interests were coming from, I was with a man at the time and I was realizing that the only people that I was really stopping to take a second look at in public was other women. So we had that conversation where we opened up that um, door of like, well, are we monogamous or are we not? And it got to the point where he was like, well, I don't care if you're not a monogamous person, but I have no genuine interest in participating in any of that. So for me, like ignorance is bliss. The less I know, the better which worked for a while, but then, I don't know, it just kind of got to the point where, uh, I don't know, I felt like it became a mix of, like, I don't know if I don't want monogamy or if I don't want this particular relationship. So Mm -hmm. kind of, like, came to an end, which was better for the both of us in the end because I felt that because he had no genuine interest in wanting to participate in the same things that I did, it gave me the subconscious anxiety that I was forcing him to do something he didn't want to, even though he was giving me the okay and we were being completely transparent. I I never actually exercised those the okay because I just felt guilty, even though it had been talked about. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, I feel like the thought that could have gone through a, a, a guy's mind during a conversation like that would be, am I wasting my time with this woman? Is this her way of trying to get out? Or is it possible that although she loves me right now and is with me right now, that through being poly polygamous, will she find love somewhere else and that become the main person in her life? And will I be put to the side type of thing? You know what I'm saying? Well, the thing is, is the whole monogamy part of like, wasn't the main highlight of our conversation at the time. It was just really women in general. So for him, he was just more so praying that I would be able to like get it out of my system type of thing you know what I mean like it would be like hey here's your okay like once winter comes and like the leaves are falling like you'll be through with this right and it's like I don't think that's how it's gonna work because I it's not necessarily that there was the anxiety of like me liking somebody more than him I just think that he was just a monogamous person in general and just didn't he didn't have any interest for that type of dynamic, which I totally understood because like to each their own, you know what I mean? So you trigger me to ask, are you feeling like you're into women? Oh, I've been openly bisexual since like the seventh grade. Okay. We might've covered that on the last podcast. So excuse me. So, okay. So you, you being openly bisexual and him knowing this from the jump as well, right? Yeah, that's that's interesting because I feel like, you know, most people, most guys, and it's funny that we're talking about this right now because I, I just spoke about this recently, but I feel like most guys that I know, 
would probably be open to their woman being into other women, you know, probably way before them being into other guys. Right. Like, I think that it's just a form of internalized homophobia is what it is, because it's men not seeing other women as a threat to their relationship and only seeing men as a threat to their relationship because of that possessive and the possessiveness and ownership and the jealousy that they have over their like woman because I've had this conversation with multiple other men close to my age where it's like how would you feel if your girlfriend wanted to have a threesome and they're like oh I'm totally open to it and I'm like okay so what is what does that look like to you and they're like oh my chick and another chick and I'm like okay well what I was thinking was you and another dude and they're like oh no and I'm like okay but why is it different and they're mm-hmm. like, have sex with another dude. And I'm like, well, it's, you're, there's still a chick there. And they're like, yeah, but it's another guy. And I'm like, okay, but is that, it's a threat to you or a threat to the relationship? And then they go, oh, well, both. And it's like, if you open your relationship and your girlfriend wants to have like completely open, like not just with women, like how does that feel? And they're like, usually nine times out of 10, they'll be like, no, I'm only okay with women. Because again, it's, it's that threat to them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can see where they would feel like it's a threat to them because I think that guys, they naturally want to be, you know, the, the, the top guy in his, in his woman's life. And to even think that there's a potential that another guy could be, you know, the, the top dude in her life, or even if he has like a bigger piece than him, that's another, another uh, thing to bring to the equation too. If a guy has another or a, a bigger piece, then then you then immediately you're going to feel belittled in that situation. And absolutely. Like there's some insecurities involved when it comes to a situation like that. And I, I think that guys naturally like in the DNA of a man, I want to say would naturally want to be the alpha in the situation and to feel like there's another potential alpha involved. Then it's like guard up immediately, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely an interesting conversation to have with your partner because it really, it's enlightening on how they view those types of like dynamics, which to each their own, obviously, but I don't know. Having the conversation with like my ex-partner really kind of showed me his view on like gay relationships in general, which I was just kind of like, okay, noted. Right, right. Yeah, no, that is that is truly a um a subject that has to be, you know, dissected a little bit when it comes to you and your actual partner. And especially with these days, you know, like so many people are, you know, more open about their sexuality. And that's honestly a, a, a great thing. And I love, I love what the LGBTQ community has done for, you know, just equality rights in general. And I think that them leading the way and pretty much like make telling the world, like, no, we're here to stay and we demand our respect. And now look what happens. There's a whole pride month, right? And now, you know, everybody wants to get behind it. The companies that get behind it, you know, it's a little nasty that they all, try to use their their colors as you know a marketing scheme and what have you but you know in a sense the the pride community you know 
pretty much told them like, no, if you guys want to, if you guys want to sell stuff, like you have to get behind us too. And so like, honestly, like for any communities out there trying to, you know, establish themselves, like look at what the LGBTQ community did. Like, man, they were brave enough to take a stand and be open about who they are and look what happened now. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to push an idea that I'm trying to push. I know I'm not the only one trying to push this, you know, I'm just, you know, a, a piece to the equation, but you know, the, the foot community, for instance, so many people are, are anonymous in the foot community. They have no pictures on their profile. They don't want to show themselves. They're very, very private about it. And like you said, to each their own, but my idea of everything is why not just be loud and proud about who you are and what you're into? Because by doing that, it only normalizes it that much more. Once again, look at what the LGBTQ community did. That was another thing that like I had to toss up in my head for a while, just because not only working with like youth, like I'm not necessarily going like doing anything against policy. I can't get fired for anything um, that I'm doing on the side, but like, telling people in general and being open about it was just something that I was like "Mm, do I want to be telling people but then I kind of just took a step back and I was like why like why am I having this second thought and it just came down to being judged which exactly is the same I was just adding to the whole stigma of it whereas now that I found that any other person who I meet because like my phone goes off quite a bit just from Instagram alone because I have like my DM notifications and like my follow notifications on. So people are like, holy, like your Instagram is just going off. And then I'll explain to them and nine times out of 10, they're like, oh, like that's really cool. Like I, I can't believe you make money off of that. Like, oh, I can't believe that you meet people like that. Or like, oh, I didn't know that you had like photography skills. You know what I mean? Like it opens so many different conversations. Like, and I've never, experienced a negative one not to say that that isn't like to play a part in the fact face to face and like how often are you going to judge somebody face to face about that but like yeah yeah I feel you on that I I just had a quick thought on my head I was like wait a minute did I turn on my my mic have I been talking through the wrong mic the whole time anyways though um, no, you're, you're so right about that. And, you know, being open about that, I, I know for sure it is, you know, open doors and other avenues as well. But, you know, like being open about it, you're right. Like by not being open to it and being open about it, you are, you know, adding to the, to the, to the stigmas behind it. And, you know, pretty much just like not really helping the, you know, the movement in general. And I've realized that too, actually, Peach, is like, I wasn't really open about like this podcast on my uh, my personal profile, my daddy goods profile. And it wasn't exactly that I was, you know, trying to hide it from anybody or, or anything to that matter. But for me, it was more uh, uh, a matter of, I don't think that anybody on that profile would really even care for everything that I'm doing with the pop pod. And so I just felt like why even show it to them? Because it's not like they're going to support it or what have you. There's a lot of people that I actually know in real life on there, a lot of family friends. And I'm just thinking like, there's, there's no use, you know, in them knowing, but then it got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like 
I should just not care at all and just just be open. This is what I like to do. This is what I'm proud of. I should let everybody know. Forget it, you know? The only reason why I refrain from tying, like, my personal life to this Instagram and, like, crossing my social medias at all or even referring to them on each other is, again, because of my job. Not because I'll get in trouble, but, like, personally, the last thing I would ever want is to walk into the door at work and have one of my youth confront me about it. You know what I mean? Like, that, I... Because, like, their brains aren't there to process, like, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, and what it means to be doing what I'm doing. All that they would see is that it's some form of trade online. And, like, the last thing I want to do to youth is expose the type of men who I unfortunately have to sift through on my day-to-day because those kids are so easily manipulated and like some of the messages that you get like even I have to sit back for a second and like be like either like is this real or like whoa what what the hell did I just read or like you know like something that like it would be enticing for a youth with like no means of getting money but all the means of wanting money is like an interest and like that's totally why even this community for a little bit blew up on TikTok because the way the women who were participating in it, they were only romanticizing and glorifying the money that they were making off of it. They weren't telling all of these young girls about the messages that they were now going to be getting, the ways that they would be potentially putting themselves at risk for abuse and um, grooming and trauma and all of that. Because if you don't have the proper education and boundaries and awareness of how this marketing and media and business works then you put yourself in a lot a lot of danger man that's so true that is so true and you mentioning grooming and predators being on the internet and looking and seeking out young girls to groom that is such a real topic right there and trafficking is very real and it's something that is not spoken on enough and it happens more often than I believe people really like to realize or even think about. But so often there's a lot of broken homes. There's a lot of young teenage girls who don't have no money. They want to get out of their home and they want to get out into the world. And then they come across somebody who has some kind of dream to sell. And then next thing they know, they are, you know, meeting up with a predator that comes off as a really nice gentleman and now they're being controlled and trapped and forced into SW, you know? Well, that's the thing is I used to live like, I'm going to say like eight streets up this way and like not too much further than where I used to live now um, from when I was like born till I was 18 and it was like the heart of the ghetto basically And a year after we moved out of that house to here, which is, like, kind of, like, borderline, like, yeah, you can walk when the sun is down, but, like, don't do it without a big dog type of area. Um, We heard that there was a house raided literally a block away from my old house that was filled with kids. Like, it was double digits with kids who were all being trafficked and stuff and exploited. It was just, like to not know that that's going on a block down from you and like 
environment that you're literally growing up in is like like I when I was in that area the first thing that like my mom taught me was like not only can you not be out past sundown but like just don't be out past seven in general and like it doesn't get dark until 10 here in the summer so like and I still can be out past seven so right right well that's that's crazy. That's crazy, especially for it to be happening right down the street from where you used to live. That's like unreal to hear about, but it is real. <laughs> it's happening in so many, so many cities in Las Vegas, like a motherfucker too, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying not to say bad words, um, but you know, in Las Vegas, you know, this is one of the, like the capitals for, for trafficking, you know, so that, that's scary to me, very scary to me. And, you know, that's why I, they have so much confidence with it too. Like it's actually mind boggling. Like the, just being in that environment alone, the things that I would experience that you would think wouldn't happen to somebody who's like under the age of like 14, because that's when all the wildest things were happening was when I was like super, super young. Like I would get off the school bus and there would be just, like, people in our yard on our stairs, which, mind you, like, we had a gate. Like, you had to physically open the gate to go onto our stairs. It would just be, like, shooting up or, like, using drugs. And it's, like, like eight years old having to be, like, excuse me, and walk through them to get up my stairs and, like, go into my front door. And, like, it's not like I'm in an apartment building or, like, it's, like, public property. Like, they're literally in my yard. And it's, like... That's rough. That's crazy to think about. Or I'd be like 14 waiting for the bus. And the way that the bus was like, it was like maybe two houses over from being really like literally directly in front of my house. But if I was wearing like shorts and like a tight top waiting for the bus, the police would literally roll up and ask me like what I'm doing because they would presume that I was being trafficked, which it's illegal to stop somebody on the street like that. But because I'm a kid, they don't know that I know my rights. So I'm like, here's my house. I am waiting for the bus. If you would like to give me a ride to where I'm going, I would suggest that you either let me in the car or you go on your merry way before I make a report because this is profiling and it is illegal. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was a crazy environment to grow up in. What's the laws um, in Canada as far as SW goes? Because I know there's some countries that there's jurisdictions that allow it. Um, in Canada, well, I can't speak on behalf of all of Canada, um, but provincially speaking, um, in my province, it is illegal to prostitute. That is still what it is called here. It is not called sex work yet, unfortunately. Um the way like doing it online because I would get a tax return slip and I'm paying taxes that is completely legal like with my banking and everything but yeah no we we still have some old school street walkers that the thing is though is that the area is so bad and so poor that the police know who the girls are but like they they can't pick them up because that's street profiling so the only thing that you can do, which no cop is going to go out of their way to open an investigation unless it's like a well-known abusive John and they have to ask this girl and like recruit her to be like undercover or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
stuff doesn't even happen in my city really like the cops just know it happens because people have to like make ends meet like the most illegal it gets for these girls is when they're outside for so long that they have to pop a squat on the sidewalk and they get like a public urination charge that's pretty bad there's not really too much that goes on like regulation wise unfortunately because everybody has just kind of accepted how awful our poverty has gotten yeah sheesh yeah. it's pretty much everywhere too man there's so many cities in the, in the u.s too that are like just covered in tents you know like as far as like working wages go they just they're you can't afford to lead a lifestyle like you once were able to 20 30 years ago like you don't make the kind of money you need to even pay rent like you almost have to have a partner now if you want to pay rent you know well the fucked up thing about my city too is that i believe i want to say last summer it might have been this definitely wasn't this summer i think it was last summer or the summer before our main fire department from like downtown went and literally kicked all the homeless out of their tent city and burned it. They had old fire and burnt all the tents in like one pile. That's, that's crazy. It was so disgusting to see because so many news, like, like obviously the way that they're going to report it is that, Oh, like the firefighters are cleaning up the city and not, the firefighters dehomed like 50 people because that's what they did. Tense or not. Like those were homes to those people. Yeah. That is ridiculously crazy. Like um, imagine if one of those people in the tents were one of those firemen's like family members, you know, they probably wouldn't have done that. Like those, those firemen don't have a say on what they do. They get those orders. So I very well believe because we have a very, very high indigenous population. Those families are so big and our city is so small. I do not second guess that there was somebody out there burning somebody's tent down who they were related to, whether they knew it or not. Man, that's sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's really stupid because the things, the most expensive things that our city has spent money on in the past couple of years is like a butterfly biosphere. Um our construction on the roads, which is like mediocre at best. Um, and then they made like a new apartment building that on the bottom of it is like a restaurant, a gym. Um, there's underground parking and all that stuff. The first 10 floors are government housing, which is great. It's awesome. It's an ex- super accessible location but nobody's able to get approved for it from their band office because the costs are so high and all of these families have so many children. So the first 10 floors are still vacant. Wow. That's ridiculous. I, I tell you something that's happening out here in the U S right now that, um, it's kind of, kind of similar to that a little bit. Well, not exactly, but kind of, um, so bank of America is one of the banks out here. Right. And they just recently, released in like a a news article or whatever that they're going to start allowing uh, mortgages to purchase homes, basically home loans um, for people who don't have down payments. As long as you are a um, either an African-American or a Mexican-American or, um, you know, some kind of 
what they quote unquote would label as a minority, right? Um, but here's here's the you know, here's the the thing about that that is a kind of kind of crazy. Right now to buy a home here in the US is damn near impossible and especially with no down payment because the people, the big investment companies are outbidding almost everybody on buying a home. So if you come to go buy a home, there might be some people who get lucky, right? And they can get a home loan and no down payment and all that. And I hope that works out. But the reality of it is all of these houses are getting bought out by huge investment companies. Even Zillow themselves are outbidding um, people from buying homes by like a lot of money. By, and, and how I know that is because I bought a house last year, right? And I had to go through a lot of different um, home offers to even get a house. I was getting outbid by like fifty to seventy thousand, almost a hundred thousand dollars at a time, and I'm like, "Who's spending that kind of money on houses? It's not even worth that much. Why? Are, why are people over spending on houses?" And then, it, and then it dawned on me, like, "Oh." It's the the huge investment companies, like the people who are really like in control of all this stuff. The banks is all of them. They're buying out all the houses and outbidding people so that people can't have wealth anymore, you know, because 30, 40 years ago, people were buying homes for like $100,000 and now they're worth like a million. So there's people who have, you know, created wealth for themselves. And so the banks, they've realized that and now they're trying to pretty much stop that. So it's almost a slap in the face for them to say, Hey, we'll give um, people who have felt oppressed over the years, home loans with no down payment. And then be the same people that they got to compete against to buy a home. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> well, the thing is, is they're slowly trying to dismantle a system that they've created because it doesn't work in their favor anymore while still leaving it in place because you can't fully dismantle that whole system while it's still profiting them, which is like they're sucking a river that's dry, even like to the bone is what they're trying to do, which is mm-hmm. so awful because they're pushing like what I noticed after COVID is that the middle class is so slimly populated that it it basically doesn't exist anymore. There is upper class and poverty because even though you can be in a house and like have have like just have that home over your your head, have a car, have a job, have whatever. In this day and age, those are like the basic necessities and like borderline like you're floating above water. You know what I mean? Because like, how many people can afford to just take a week off work if they need it? How many people can afford to go on a vacation with a week off work? How many people can afford to do a renovation that their house really needs or a big car upgrade that they've been wanting? Like nobody who can be considered middle class post-COVID actually can comfortably do those things anymore because COVID, like. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's very true. That is very true. I don't know. The world is headed scary places but you know at least they got us to get their minds off of all the craziness right you know they got peach paradise and the puff pod and all that good stuff well how about we do a a foot marshal and then we'll 
peace on out of this thing. Feels good. I am hungry. She's hungry. We gotta get her some food, y'all. Once again, thank you all for tuning in and hanging out on the Pop Pod. I know some of you missed the lives, but hey, you know, this is just as good. All right. This is just as good, if not better. All right. We got Paradise Peach, Peach Paradise right now on the podcast. Make sure you go follow her on all her socials. As you can see, she is a very intelligent, wise 21 year old chick. Super solid. Love having her on the podcast for the second time. www.daddygoods.com is live now, so go and drop your emails on there. There's not that much on there yet, but I promise you, I'm building on it. I'm building, I'm building, I'm building. All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and peace on out of this thing. All right, so... Peach Paradise, is there anything you would like to tell everybody before you got off the podcast today? She's yawning right now, yo. We gotta get we gotta get her some coffee, some Tim Burton's and all that. Oh, I need to get some food in my system and get my energy back up. I have like a whole day ahead of me still. Like this is me starting my day. It, like in my brain, I'm like, oh, it's 10 a.m. And then I look at the clock and I'm like, ah, oh, it's almost two. Great. <laughs> um but I would just like to thank anybody who took the time to come and watch it. Um, make sure that you leave a like and a comment, perhaps. Um, and I'd like to thank you for having me again. Well, thank you for coming on again. And hopefully we can do it again another time. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will holla at you next episode. We're out. Mm-hmm.